Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. Each episode, we talk about a particular topic in the life of a professor. We are tenure-track faculty members in the sciences, working at a primarily undergraduate university in California. The purpose of our podcast is reflection, so we bring something we think is working and something we're working on to discuss. Welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. I'm Ruth. And I'm Claire. And today we're talking about bells and whistles in the classroom. But first, Ruth, how was your week? Well, my week was interesting. I got to be, I had a terrible thing happen, but it's part of a global thing. So it was sort of interesting to see how that all tracked. So my little car was stolen, Ah. which I know, sad, but it's so weird like to sort of learn about why it got stolen and how it's all down to Brexit, basically. So I was like, oh, how bizarre. So, um... Because, you know, in Ireland, we drive on the left-hand side of the road. Uh-huh. And so the steering wheel is on the other side of the car, mm-hmm. which is good because it would be very stressful to try and do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you had to like, mirror yeah. image some stuff, but not the car. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. So apparently, like, so England is the other country that also does that. And another country that does that is Japan. And oh. so at the moment... There isn't very many trading things happening between Ireland and England because Brexit, like, there's very few things I know less about than economic trade agreements. So <laughs> it's like I really, people keep explaining it to me and I'm like, I'm with you. And then it's immediately I'm not with you. But so anyway, the only other country that we can buy cars from secondhand is Japan. Okay. And so at the moment, all of the secondhand cars are Japanese imports. And then the bit I didn't know is apparently... There is just no car theft in Japan. It is not a thing that okay. happens. And so the cars haven't got the same kind of security measures. Interesting. So apparently they're kind of like cars from the 80s in terms of stealing them and hot wiring them. Hmm. And so they're deliberately targeted because of this. So that is why my little car got stolen. That's fascinating. I know, I was like, I. it's just so fascinating to me, just the weird little chain of events of things, and then that it's just so interesting to think that cultures can just be, like, culturally not a car theft, and so mm-hmm. it's, like, not a thing, and that's so, like, how would you replicate that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, first yeah. Of, that's a good point. First of all, we should be trying to replicate the Japanese lack of right, car right. theft. Right, it's like, wow, <laughs> they just never had to change, like, the key mechanism, because... It just wasn't a thing. It wasn't a problem. Good. That's right. so funny. So huh. I'm going to endeavor at some point to find out why car theft is not a thing in Japan. But and in the meantime, was, unfortunately, Japanese cars in Ireland <laughs> can <laughs> yes, get stolen. They do, yeah. So that was... <laughs> and it's really interesting, too, because um, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I had COVID. And so it's just so funny to kind of be in Ireland and how superstitious... Because everyone I've talked to, from insurance people to police people, and I've had to talk to medical people, everyone's like, don't worry, things happen in threes. You're fine now. Because, like, the only bad things only come in threes. Okay. But then I'm like, wait, like, does the COVID and the COVID pneumonia count as two separate things? Like, can they be two of the three? Or do they only count as one? And so, anyway, if anyone out there has familiarity with bad things happening in threes and you have insight into when I can claim safety, let me know. (laughs) But I'm taking the car as a whole, the whole one of the three anyway. So that's I think happening. it definitely counts as one of the three, my yes. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just super weird. Yeah. Anyway, that's the whole story that has unfolded this week. Mm-hmm. Why my car got stolen. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Tell me, how was your week? 
My week was good. I've been reinvigorated to delete should from my vocabulary about what I should be doing. There's no I should be doing. And it's just amazing how often it comes up in my mind, you know? Like, well, I should have already done this. Or like, I shouldn't be grading in the evening, but I should have my grading done. And that like totally conflicts. Or um, I don't know. All these shoulds. So I have a new like post-it note that has should and a cross out. I'm just trying because it's just it just adds to stress totally unnecessarily for me to feel like all these things are things I should do. Instead, it's what am I doing or what do I want to do or I what I don't know. What do, do you know I what need I mean? right so now? To what change. do I need to do? Yeah, man, I I'm with you on this, and it's very interesting seeing it play out in small children. Oh, interesting. Tell me. Do you know what I mean? Well, so like one thing that's happening for my eldest is she, like the youngest is doing fine with learning Irish because they're kind of, they were only getting started learning anyway. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But my Alice is just like, oh, I don't know it. And why don't I? And I'm like, why? You, there's no reason why you should have any Irish. Do you know you, what I mean? Yeah. But she's like you so. You have the opportunity to learn it. Right, and she's so frustrated with herself, and it's just like, I don't know, we always, like, there's so many people in the world who are very happy to tell us what we should be doing and Mm -hmm. how things should be going, and I actually, I think I've told you about this podcast I'm obsessed with called Maintenance Phase, Mm -hmm. and they just had an episode about the sleep epidemic, and that all these people just got super het up about how you have to have a certain number of hours of sleep a night, and it's really not true that, like... Some people do fine on seven and some people need nine hours. And like just the idea that there's one thing we should all be doing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really ridiculous. Or even that you should be doing things from one week to the next exactly the same. Right. Exactly. Is... Maybe this evening it is a good decision for me to do this. But that evening it's a good decision to do something else. And Totally. Yeah. And the sleep. I mean, that's just hilarious because it so easily exemplifies that feeling like you should have more sleep might lead to having less sleep because you're stressed about it. And that's actually true with everything, that if you're feeling like you should do it, then you're going to be more stressed about it. It's going to be harder. Um, Like your your poor daughter who's so worried about Irish now, then it's going to be harder and it's going to have all these negative associations. But really... It's perfectly okay that she doesn't know Irish fluently yet, and no one would expect right, her to. And yeah. yeah, so. But I love I that. I I think we should actually we should and um, we could. <laughs> someone told me that just changing it to the word "could" oh. is huge because mm-hmm. I don't like because you she was this friend of mine was saying like instead of tell if you're telling someone making a suggestion if you say you could do this instead of you should. Yes. I guess that applies when we're talking to ourselves. Totally like, does. Because now it's an option. We get to choose if we want to do right. that or not. And Ralph's always saying, you're the boss. That's like your choice of whether you want to do it or not. And if you say, we could do this or I could do this. Well, now, yeah. Do I want to do that? That's a, that's an option. Anyway, what were you going to say about that? Well, we could have an episode about should. Oh, yes. <laughs> getting that's rid a great of it. Idea. And I want to check in with you and see how you're. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's all these things that, you know. I'm like, oh, that's super helpful, and then I do it for a while, and then I forget about it, and then it becomes a problem again, you know? So, like, that's one of those things that comes up periodically, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's really helpful to watch that and forget about that. Well, yeah, and it's just, there's so much, like, it's so weird, because I wonder if you could sit down and track where all your shoulds come from, but we're so bombarded all the time Mm -hmm. with 
things. And again, with my kids, something came up recently where the little one was talking about, oh, like, so you should, like, people want girls to wear pretty clothes, right? Mm. And I was like, yeah, but then sometimes if people do that, if they only do that, people kind of criticize them for that as well. You know, if you're only into, and then she was like, well, like, what's the point? And I was like, yeah, fair. Why don't you just wear whatever you want to wear and then not have to get, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's like that with everything. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting to see what's ingrained there. Like, um, when I was doing all this grading in finals week, I was grading in the evening one time and I just felt like I shouldn't be grading in the evening, but I also felt like I should finish my grading. And Ralph was like, you set up this impossible situation. Let's just pretend it's 9 a.m. on Monday and it's a great time to grade. And I was like, wow, that really loosens up this whole problem. If I'm like, this is a good time to be grading right now. And it better be because I'm grading, you know, I've decided to do it. So we're not, we're not supercomputers. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the things that go into whether this is a good time to grade or not, like that has to basically just come down to, do I feel like I want to do this right now? Mm-hmm. Because in terms of like the math balance of right. getting it done versus getting a good night's sleep versus like what, it's just too many. Yeah. And it's a one-off. Yeah. You don't often have to grade finals. Right. So you can and there's just no go, ultimate should. Like who no. would be setting the ultimate best way to do this? It's the question of, yeah. Anyway, and so it's my quote. someone writing a book telling you to buy their book and they'll tell you how to do the best, whatever. <laughs> okay, tell us your quote, sorry. Well, it kind of relates to this. It's slightly different. It's about fear, which is also something that I've been remembering to not be overly afraid. So I, I'm sure I've done this quote before, but I just love it. It's Jen Sincero. It's run towards fear. Fear hates it when you do that. And I just love the tone. And it's so true. And so I've, I've been remembering to not have the fear it kind of goes along with should for me. And so, like, not, it, I, I was reminded of this recently because I often am afraid to disagree. And I feel like, oh, we should agree. So I must have to shift my opinion so that I agree with you or maybe, you know, something. We don't, there is no should agree. It's okay if we disagree. So I don't need to be afraid of disagreeing. And then, it, and then when I start remembering not to be afraid, it applies to all kinds of things. Like, oh, I'm making my syllabus for next semester and maybe we'll have a field trip on this boat and that would be really cool and I did it once but I'm kind of scared of doing it because I don't know all the logistics but we can do it just don't be afraid of doing it that's like the main problem is that I was afraid of doing it but I'm confident we can do it so let's just decide we're doing it and stop being afraid of it so I don't know fear fear. is I mean we talked about this in a previous episode but when I get stuck and can't get started that is 99.99% fear exactly Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm kind of just like on the lookout right now for things where I'm afraid or things where I feel like I should do something. And both of those are just influencing me in ways that I don't need. So trying to notice them and delete them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here for it. Okay, I want to hear more about this in future episodes. Okay. I feel like we just did a side episode there. We we totally did a side episode. So um, Maybe we should have one that's just us shooting the breeze. (laughs) (laughs) Just that. But um, yeah. So, well, what are we talking about today? So, bells and whistles. And so, um, I'm thinking about all these extra things that you can do in your classroom that seem good, you know? A lot of them are good, but most of them also take extra time and extra effort. And so, the question is, what kinds of cool things that you could add to your class or add to your classroom or add to your lesson plan or whatever um, actually fit with what you're trying to do? Which ones are worth doing? Which ones are are worth the extra effort or worth the extra complication. 
and just trying to keep that. I mean, I think of it as what's congruent with your overall plan for your class or what. Um, yes. Just being intentional about which ones of these infinite number of potential things that could be really cool that I could add to my class are actually um, leading where I really want to take the class, you know? So that's, totally. that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Yeah, me too. It's kind of just like, I don't know, you know, just anything beyond the bare bones. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm finding when I think about it, the bare bones is basically sort of the more traditional stuff that I grew up with, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. So like lectures that. and exams mm -hmm. and homework, that kind of would be the bare bones for you, from your perspective. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think me too. Yeah. So what's working for you in terms of bells and whistles in the classroom? So I think what's working for me is I have done some like really inspirational and helpful workshops mm -hmm. and stuff. And of course, I would get really overexcited whenever I do them and come out with too many bells and whistles. But you know, <laughs> exactly. it, ideally, exactly. I'm just like, oh, I want to do all the things. I really like those workshops that have obviously been around for a long time. And they warn you at the end, like, please only pick one thing because, uh -huh. you know, otherwise your brain circuits will fry and you won't be able to do it. So I think, <coughs> sorry, um. I feel like a lot of the workshops I've done have been like about equity and inclusion in physics and mm -hmm. sort of broadening ways for students to participate. And in that sense, I think I've developed some really cool assignments, like extra ones. And they're things that I've felt quite strongly about and have had the courage of my convictions about. Mm -hmm. So like, I think we've talked about it on here that I used to have an assignment where everyone had to introduce themselves in an online forum. Oh, yeah on the first day and then like I would make a slide of all their photos and like all of that kind of stuff or to help make the classroom feel welcoming and like they belonged mm -hmm. or something like that mm -hmm. totally and then just other ones that have come up over time like I yeah like last year we had I had one that was you know pick anything we've done and then find like a reference to it in popular culture mm, or like an application cool. of it or something and that actually ended up like the the forum they did it on was like super cool and people had really funny stuff and it just was very very cool so see. that that would be like is the goal of that to help them engage with the material and find it more relatable or what what do you see the goal of that yeah like what is the name of the term and we actually had an episode called this what was it but it's like seeing the kind of purpose in an assignment mm -hmm. or the connection mm -hmm. and like we were talking about how like how would this connect to your future job or mm -hmm. how does this connect to video games or you know something that Making you can it kind relatable. of relate yeah yes exactly and like that it's not just because sometimes I think physics can fall into that learning for the sake of learning mm -hmm. which is kind of hilarious because I think it's very applicable to absolutely everything but right again from a novice perspective, that isn't always apparent. That totally. This has oh, I know what point. you mean. It's so yeah. easy to forget that it's not obvious how it's relevant to everything. <laughs> totally. And, yeah. And then I think, you know, some of the cool workshops I've gone to have talked about how in certain cultures, you know, that is more valued to mm -hmm. have like a connection to. And, you know, certainly in Ireland, it's always been a thing where whatever you're doing and especially at holiday times, like uncles and aunts would be like, what kind of job can you get with this? Mm -hmm. Like, that's always the question. And so, you know, sometimes people don't see that in physics. So anyway, that was an assignment to try and do that. So I think, I don't know, I'm not going to like surprise anyone that my working on is longer, but in the working, <laughs> I feel like I have developed some of these things 
not with the set purpose of having bells and whistles, but it just sort of happened that I mm-hmm. have a bit of a catalogue of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ha- like, they're good. That's cool. So I'm kind of hearing that you've taken... In the other section. No. <laughs> you've <laughs> taken from workshops things that... Um, well, the, the bells and whistles that you've been inspired to make and inspired to keep have been particular activities that really resonated with things that you really wanted to do. You really wanted to yes. emphasize equity and inclusion by having them feel welcome and like they're part of a group. And you really wanted them to understand the relatability of physics and that it's more than just a bunch of equations to memorize or whatever. And so that's really cool that you have these really intentional things, it seems like. Yeah. And so, yes. Yeah. I'm going to do a weird pause because I have more to say. But it's, No, it's totally fine. Well, so we'll wait. You, what you, what's working? <laughs> so for me... Um, I really like, I've been having a lot of active learning, like group activities where mm-hmm. they work on problems together in class. So that, like for the whole lecture day, they're in a group and they're working on problems. And I do that maybe like a third of the lecture periods or a quarter of the lecture periods. It kind of varies in the class that I teach most often. And that I think has worked really well. And, um, been something that I want to keep. And so I would call it a bells and whistle because it's like a different lecture format than the traditional one. And um, what I really like about it is that, well, I think it's really helpful for students to notice if they aren't understanding it. Like sometimes it's really easy. You know, if I'm just doing the problem on the board, they're like, got it, looks super easy. Um, But then if they're trying it and they are actually trying it, you know, the next day in lecture, they're like, wait a minute there's a few details that I'm not following or whatever. So that's really helpful. And then also I think some people just really benefit from working in groups and others benefit from the lectures. And so I really value having that variability. I wouldn't actually want all my lectures to be this format. I specifically want a variety so that I can hopefully reach a variety of people. So for me, it's very intentional and I'm super down with having some of the lectures be traditional lecture formats, some of them be more interactive group work, problem solving, and I find that I'm into that. Um, and then I also wanted to mention, this is actually a project that I did based on a workshop I went to, and we, you know, it was one of those things where they said, come up with something small enough that you can do it, that you can try and see if it works in your um, class. And what I ended up doing was making these cards um, for statistics, because we do a little unit on statistics in this class, and um, there's a whole bunch of different tests. You know, you can do the T-test or the F-test. You need to teach me statistics at some point, but (laughs) anyway, it's a a side episode. But yeah, so I just wanted them to remember these different tests and what they were for. You know, like the F-test is to to compare precisions, the T-test is to compare means. Like, let's just remember what these tests are so you know how to apply them. So I made these little cards. Well, actually, I designed these little cards and this wonderful um, student assistant made them for me of um, just like flashcards. But what we did was multiple times throughout our statistics period and then after our statistics period for, you know, several weeks, periodically we would just take five minutes. I'd pass around the cards and they would quiz each other on the cards. And the idea was that you um, first, you know, quiz somebody on a card. You're looking at the answer. They might not remember all the answer, but you can fill in whatever details they forgot, and then you switch. And so I was hoping that they would be, you know, interacting with the material, kind of recalling the information a bunch of times. And um, and so then I did a little experiment where I compared whether they seemed to remember those things better than some other wow. things. It was all part of this workshop thing. It was cool. So That's it did cool. seem effective. Um, I'm not quite sure it's worth it, 
um, just in terms of the time of passing around all the cards and the disruption of yeah. now we're doing statistics, now we're back to the new content and all that. So I, I'm not sure that I want to keep it, but um, but it was cool. And and if so, it's kind of a question of how aligned is that with my goals? Like, how much do I really want them to remember these particular things? I think maybe that's the issue, is if those were definitely really important concepts that I definitely wanted them to remember, then I think this is a great idea. But if it's kind of some concepts that I want them to have noticed and, you know, be familiar with but not be the main takeaways, maybe I don't. So I don't know. It's, it's all about congruentness for me. Like, does it really fit with what I'm trying to do? I almost want to take a moment here and like raise a toast to professional development and how great. I feel like all of this is because of workshops and it totally they're is. so great. I, like yeah, the workshops for me really provide that perfect amount of incentive where it's like I need something mm-hmm. to tell them that I tried, and what the effect was, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like I just passed around these cards periodically and was like quiz each other, you know, and I gave them some guidelines of what I wanted them to do. It wasn't that hard, um, but it was a test of would this be cool, yeah. and that was it. really worth. It was really really worth doing the test of would this be cool. Yeah, I love it. So, what are you working on? So, you just really did a very nice setup there of what I'm working on. Um, <laughs> and this is like, you know, I feel like I feel like a couple of things have happened for me sort of in my teaching style, which like, I felt like, not that I had it down, but I had like this feeling of what I wanted to have happen in the classroom, what I wanted the vibe to be like, what kind of things I wanted them to learn, you know what I mean? And then COVID and switching to online teaching was a huge shift in that and then now I'm starting to teach this course next semester and I think have I talked about it on here before I'm not sure it's for secondary school teachers oh right yes I remember like a big issue and the biggest feedback I'm getting from other people who've taught them is they're really 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 tired and they're really time poor Mm -hmm. because they're working full-time as secondary school teachers and don't have a lot of time and so Uh the kind of thing that got me thinking about all this is people are like no bells and whistles like just the facts you know what I mean and that kind of like I think I just feel like uncomfortable with some aspects of that because like I guess part of okay so here's where I go like some of the things I have developed I think are from an equity point of view and you really hit on that with like active learning Mm -hmm. and individual learning and so like that's like an equity practice right because most of traditional I'm doing whatever what are these called air quotes and thanks for wiggling my fingers at you like what am I doing um but air quotes traditional stuff is often the less equitable stuff do you mm-hmm. know what I mean and so when you throw out the bells and whistles is that creating more difficult learning environments for people mm-hmm. and I think I'm sort of thinking the answer to my own question is what I don't want which is just it's just the same as it was in the beginning when I was developing those things. It's just time mm-hmm. and getting a sense, like you said, of is this important enough for me to pass these cards out? Yes. And sometimes the answer is no. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and... But sometimes the answer is yes. And so I'm kind of right. thinking, like, it makes a lot of sense that the advice you're hearing is don't do bells and whistles. Like, these students really want efficient learning. Yes. They're not trying to do extra assignments for points they're trying to learn what they need to learn to move on and so but I think if you think that handing out these cards or whatever it might be will be really useful for them to learn the stuff they need to learn 
fantastic, you know? And again, like, I feel like, though, I have this extra thing in the works where I think I would feel differently about it if we were in the classroom. Oh, it's all Do you know what I mean? And, like, Mm -hmm. so, like, that's, like, another element where, yeah, I don't know. And so I don't know, Mm. you know, because I feel like it's really good advice for people who are starting to teach. Mm -hmm. And it was how I did it. Um, What's good advice? Oh, yeah. Like, follow someone else's notes. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't do anything. Try and reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And just sort of, I think, understanding that becoming a like reasonable professor is like an iterative process mm-hmm. over time. And that, I think, is hard in the beginning, especially if you're on a temporary contract. You're like, no, no, I have to. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think recognizing it's an evolution. So maybe this semester is just, I have too many things are completely different. And so yeah, this isn't the time. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I so wonder I with this group of students if you could solicit feedback midway through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think with any group of students, you can certainly solicit feedback, but it seems like it might be particularly important with this group of students since you are not familiar with this group of students. Yes. And, you know, maybe start out, because I agree with you, if you're in this virtual setting, it'd be nice for them to have a little bit of interactions of some kind, but is totally. that going to just seem like this added unnecessary thing that's taking time they don't have? And- so... You could, but at the same time, they'd probably be more invested and interested if they had a little bit of sense of community. I don't know. So, but maybe you could try it, whatever feels most right to you, and then change if they don't like it. I think this is a fear-based thing. Oh. But, like, there is an element with students who are, I'm saying the word younger, but I just mean, like, academically younger. Uh Like, they don't have a degree, generally, when we interacted with Mm -hmm. them. And so I think I feel a bit more confident to be like, yes, I know you think this is stupid, but I have my reasons. And and I think I feel a little intimidated because that makes sense. these are like grown up people who have degrees and who are already in the classroom. And so hmm. I wonder, mm-hmm, just find me a fear there. But Yeah, um, I mean, I think the fear, you know, people always say the fear can be a, a signpost, an indicator, but it shouldn't rule you. So, yes. Like you, I'm confident that you're going to be able to take whatever criticism they might give and use it to decide whether or not you want to change the class or not. And and I'm also confident that you're going to think about all these factors and choose a good, educated guess for what would be a good way to set up this class, whether you keep it by the books without the bells and whistles like you're given or whether you add some bells and whistles because you really feel like they'll be good. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing, too. Like, I think I think the thing that helps me sometimes with teaching is, like, recognizing students who are also nervous, too. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And sort of, again, this sounds really dramatic, but you remember the Dementor kids? Uh, they suck semester? the energy out of the classroom or something? Yes, they, like, yes. just were, it was just the worst <laughs> class I've ever had. But, like, I think at times when I could connect with oh, they're making these other kids miserable too. Like I could act more on Uh, their behalf rather Mm -hmm. than my own. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's the thing with this because a lot of these teachers are teachers who are math and science teachers, but some Mm -hmm. are French and business teachers and are not. Okay. You know, so I still will need to be, you know what I mean? Making sure those students feel okay. Yeah. So you need to start the content from the beginning and you need to make mm -hmm. sure that they're comfortable working on physics stuff. Yeah. And I think too, like, I think, I think where I'm kind of going to end up landing probably on this is 
structurally and grade wise it will probably be very traditional but mm-hmm. maybe I can be a bit more creative with like tutorial time that's a great and idea that's where mm-hmm. the bells and whistles can show up mm-hmm. I think okay. that makes a lot of sense and I think I don't know I mean my advice is do whatever feels most right to you know. and and then and give it a shot and if and if it's feeling rocky you can always ask for some feedback I wouldn't ask for feedback immediately but a few weeks in. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I'm sure you'll okay. make a good decision and then you'll adapt as necessary. This it's, is why I really like talking to you about this stuff because I actually hadn't, I was just like having this feeling and I didn't know what it was, but I think mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a bit closer to understanding it now. Yeah. I know. I have so that feeling if it's like, at least the feeling I think you're talking about, if it's like, I feel like I should do it this way, but... Uh, like somebody's telling me to do it this way or like or, but it doesn't feel right so I think yes settle on what feels right to you yeah okay tell me what are you working on oh I'm working on <coughs> um well I don't know I I have a lot of ideas of things to be working on um like I wonder if I could be more directed about teaching how to be a good group mate or trying oh. to facilitate the groups to go a little bit better um, more directly rather than just giving them groups and having them work. And then I wonder about some kind of, like I mentioned last time, radical grading thing of doing the grades a little bit differently. So I, I, these are all things that I'm thinking about. But as I'm thinking about them, I'm remembering the advice I said at the beginning of the episode, which is what is congruent with my overall goals of the class and what let's be really intentional here about keeping the bells and whistles towards what I'm trying to do and so I was like well what am I trying to do and what I really want the students to do I think would be a really good bell and whistle I want them to take ownership of their understanding and like really delve into a topic of their choice deeply and um and the more I think about it, the more I realize that's actually more congruent with what I'm overall doing in the classroom and my overall goals for the class than, like, these other things are starting to feel more like bells and whistles now that I think about that. And so now I'm thinking maybe it's all about really um, structuring and really considering and really, like, fine-tuning pro- a final project that I, you know, I have projects, but I could really fine-tune them to really involve them taking that depth and really like gaining that deep understanding from this particular thing they're working on. And so maybe that's where I should be focusing, actually, instead of these other things seem like good ideas, and I totally do want to try them, and I think they're 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 good ideas. They're worth trying. They, they were, they're worth some energy, but actually they're not as congruent as focusing on this final project and really helping them have a deep dive there. So I'm wondering if instead of doing those new things, I could, you know, put more scaffolding into the final project or have a, another round of drafts or something like that so that they're going a little bit deeper or, or making their ability to choose the topic a little bit broader or, I don't know, something more to help them really get that deep understanding and, and take ownership over their own project, you know? So that was really Dude, interesting. I love everything you're saying. I'm having like a total epiphany <laughs> happening. It's happening right right now. But like I, I guess now I'm feeling like even the title of this Bells and Whistles 
like it's almost like we're kind of thinking of it a little bit derogatorily mm -hmm. is that a word but like like what you're saying is just the fundamental like identify the things that are really important to you mm -hmm. and then they aren't bells and whistles they're exactly like really essential fundamental things by definition and almost bells and whistles are things that are side things the question is which one of those are maybe not side things yeah and everyone has their own like some people yes. and there's different things for different levels right like i feel like seeing physics equations derived in upper division classes is crucial mm -hmm. but when maybe when people are scared and doing physics for the first time it's actually just distressing and mm -hmm. it isn't crucial you know mm -hmm. so all of those things but like everything you're describing makes it seem like you having this project thing is not a bell and whistle like it's mm -hmm. a really fundamental important thing yeah so yeah okay yeah kind so of, and it's yeah. making me feel like like all these other things that i've been thinking about like you know lots of people have really cool things that they do with group work and really teach group work and i value group work and so i'm not saying that's a bad idea i still think that's a good idea but it's actually kind of a side idea and you know, I don't want to focus on that right now, you know? Well, and I've been in spaces before where, like, you can just tell that the instructor or the facilitator, like, has a thing. Mm -hmm. And you're on this train with them, and I'm using all of these stupid and I'm like, there's a thing, <laughs> and it's a train, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, and then you, I've been in other spaces where it is sort of really random gimmicky mm -hmm. things, and mm -hmm. it's kind of stressful and mm -hmm. doesn't feel... But there is other times I've been in things that it's just thematic. Like, yeah, this cohesive. is the main thing we're doing. What are we, we might doing? use different mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different I trains. Totally. And what are them now? What are we yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Let's all be on the same okay. train instead of different trains. <laughs> With the same whistle. No, but, but I yes. also think different instructors will have totally yes. different things that are the main thing that we're learning. And, you know, we, it might be the same Did class. Did we just and come we're all the way back to the should? I think we just came back to the should. <laughs> Because yes, that's what you do. You look at no all these instructors and you're like, you're I right. should do what they're doing. Exactly. I am like, yeah. wow, they're doing really cool stuff with grading or really cool stuff with group work. And both of those seem like things that I should do. Mm -hmm. And they're actually things that I could do. And maybe yes. I could I, I could decide to do them. If it fits with your... What are if we going to call that? Because I kind of hate teaching philosophy just because it's a stressful thing you have to write for job applications. But you uh, know what I mean? Like your core sort of... Yeah, and I even want to say it's your ethos. ethos. Sorry, Ralph, just yes. Yes, and and I want to say that it might depend on the class, you know? What do I... Right, like this is the thing I think ethos. I'm coming up against. Yes. Like I don't have an ethos about these guys yet. Because right. Because I don't totally feel... You're yeah. not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you are thinking about what parts of your ethos that you can mm -hmm. take from your other classes that might apply for this new class with this new group of learners... Or like we had to all see. shift our ethos when it was COVID right. times. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was okay, a great example of like, what are the key parts of this class that I must somehow translate to be virtual? Totally. This so. has been very fruitful. <laughs> yeah, me, for me too. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. We're delighted to have you as a listener and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, our address is contactprofessorpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your suggestions for future shows or professor quotes that you might want to share with us, or even just things that have come up for you when you were listening to previous episodes. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would spread the word. So the best way to spread word is by telling people you know, if you think they should listen to it, or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.